Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. This is People Every Day. Coming up, breaking down Prince Harry's no-holds-barred interview about his mental health. Plus, actress Glenn Close on her calling to destigmatize mental illness. And country icon Trisha Yearwood stops by to chat. It's May 13th. Hi guys, this is People Every Day. I'm your host, Janine Rubenstein, and it is Thursday, y'all. Almost there. We got this. Later on in the show, I catch up with country star Trisha Yearwood, who admits that she has just gone to the dogs at this point <laughs> in a good way, in a good way. She has a brand new adorable pet collection that she's launched, doggy beds and, and travel bags, all very chic. And she talks about that and the success of all of her brands, as well as what life and marriage has been like in the pandemic with husband Garth so you don't want to miss that. But first, I have my friend and People's Royals editor, Michelle Tauber, on with me to discuss our top story, which is Prince Harry, who just gave this really incredible interview. He spoke on the Armchair Expert podcast hosted by Dak Shepard and Monica Padman for well over an hour. And during that time, he was incredibly candid. He was speaking about his own mental health, his struggles growing up in the royal family, uh, his relationship with Megan, of course. So, Michelle, you kind this inside and out. This was a lot deeper than we've heard him go. Of course, he's been speaking out lately, but what did you think when you heard this interview? Yeah, I mean, this was a really brave interview for Harry to give. I felt like I felt like he really went there about his own mental health in a way I've never heard him before. Um, and in fact, I mean, there's just a ton, like you said, to unpack, you know, the trauma of losing his mother when he was just 12 to feeling the, you know, the, the trapped feelings he had within the royal family to how much therapy benefited him. I thought he spoke about therapy in really vivid terms in terms of like what it did for him. Yeah, for sure. So, so when, we're talking about the the old Harry, um, the Harry from the headlines. He goes into that and, and, and kind of gives some context to that period. So let's listen into what he had to say about his younger years. So in my early 20s, I was a case of like, I just I don't want this job. Yeah. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be doing this. Look what it did to my mum. How am I ever going to you know, settle down and have a wife and a family when I know that it's going to happen again? Because yeah. I know I've seen behind the curtain. I've seen the business model. I know how this operation runs and how it works. Yeah. I don't want to be part of this. And then once I started doing therapy, suddenly it was like the bubble was burst. Yeah. I plucked my head out of the sand, gave a good shake off. And I was like, okay, you're in this position of privilege. Stop complaining or stop thinking as though you want something different. Make this different. So, Michelle, would you say we, we watched, you know, his journey and, and he jokes about, you know, the Vegas photos and, and all of that. Would you say this is what he was dealing with under the surface of the headlines and everything that people were seeing about him in those years? Absolutely. And, you know, I, I got to say, Janine, 
it's a little painful to, to be a member of the media and look back at some of the treatment of not just Prince Harry, but other people who I think when there was a less, a really remarkably less awareness of mental health struggles and, you know, coping mechanisms and, and frankly, people making mistakes and, and people's, you know, growing years. And we, we've just sort of, there was a, there was a long time there when there was a lack of compassion for the journeys that people were on. And I think looking back, yeah, there was a lot going on behind the scenes that kind of got, you know, um, sensationalized in a way that was like, you know, as we all remember the Vegas photos and, and all the rest. And there wasn't a real, a really compassionate understanding of like what, what's going on now, granted, he wasn't talking about it at that point, but I think it's super interesting in the clip we just listened to, to hear him say in my twenties, I was already worrying and recognizing like, how am I ever going to have a family like this? Because when he got together with Megan and then when they started pulling themselves away from royal life as, we, as we've known it until this point, we a lot of people were pointing the finger at Megan, right? So I think hearing him say this was way before Megan, this was, you know, me wrestling with could history, I feel history is going to repeat itself. I think that's really important. So true. Yeah, a lot of it was like, uh, and even Megxit. I mean, they're calling it, they're pinning it on her and 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 what she did to him, uh, pulling him away from the family. And now we are getting so much backstory as to he had these issues, the, these this internal battle going on long before he even met her. I, I want to get into you know the decision. Um, he's older now. He he made that decision to uproot his family from the UK and relocate to the United States. Um, what did he have to say about that? We heard, you know, about the decision in the Oprah interview, but I think he gave even some more texture here. Yeah, I mean, he, here we get into even more that he felt, you know, that he goes through these three helpless mo moments when he felt completely helpless. And one of them was watching what Megan was going through. The three major times that I felt completely helpless. One, when I was a kid in the back of the car with my mum being chased by paparazzi. Two was in Afghanistan in an Apache helicopter. And then the third one was with my wife. Knowing that that for him was one of the three worst, you know, ex moments of his life, it, it again puts into greater context why he was was willing to uproot his family, why he felt he had no choice but to uproot his family. And, you know, he talks, too, about not wanting history to repeat itself so often. And this idea of breaking cycles, it, it is interesting. He reference breaking a cycle in terms of his father and sort of saying like his father struggled with some of the, the parenting decisions that, that the queen and Prince Philip made for Charles and that that left a lasting impact on Charles and that he wanted to make sure he didn't repeat some of that with his own son. So those are things we haven't heard before. Uh, do we know anything about, you know, how, uh, you know, things are going? Of course, Prince Philip's funeral was a while back. Um, did Have we gotten any kind of sense that, uh, that's mending. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was interesting. He does say in this interview, uh, this is not about pointing fingers, you know, and I think that that's really important um, on, on, on their side, on the Sussex side and on the other side too, on, on the side of the palace. I mean, I think, I think it, to answer your question, I think things have reached kind of, you know, a, a quieter place. I think that they were able to reunite for, you know, unfortunately it wasn't a, a happy occasion. It was the, the funeral of Prince Philip, but at least having that time together, I, I think we can, um, you know, 
sort of hope that that was a chance for the beginning of maybe a new chapter or some healing. And and so I want to talk about one thing that really interested me in listening to the interview. He talked a lot about privilege and um, privilege as a royal. I mean, that's the the utmost privilege, (laughs) Um, but also white privilege and, and what he had to do to come to terms with that. Of course, he is married to a biracial woman. Um, What was your takeaway? I've never really heard him go in depth with this. No, me neither. And I agree. That was one of the most interesting points of the interview where he's really getting into recognizing that. And you heard it a little bit in that clip that that you played earlier that, you know, yes, his own mental health needed to be a priority, but also realizing that the ability, the privilege that he has to treat that um, and to kind of, you know, to get the therapy he needed and to, um, you know, heal in the ways that he was able to to do, that that was not something that's available to, you know, he referenced the Commonwealth, traveling the Commonwealth and seeing so many, so many people in marginalized communities who do not have access to that kind of help. And that he felt he had the realization that helping other people made him feel better that it was an a, 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 you know a useful application of his privilege that he could he could help other people's lives recognizing that um you know he he has that that advantage and so just in talking about you know what he's doing to help others and 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 how he he's moving on uh it's helping him this is is what it's what he's saying is helping him cope with trauma and he has this great uh just whole soliloquy almost he goes on about trauma and and what it does to the human spirit and when you think of course his mom like that level of trauma having to follow her casket um at such a young age the way she died all of that um so let's listen to a little bit of that and then just talk about how he is coping i didn't acknowledge that clearly what happened to me when i was 12 years old losing my mom and all the other pieces that happened the traumatic experiences that happened to me since then i didn't acknowledge well perhaps maybe i need to deal with this i need to process this because if i don't how the hell am i going to be a decent father to my son and my daughter Yeah. yeah like that awareness I didn't have then. Yeah, I think listening to Harry there, first of all, doesn't it really strike you how much work he's done, right? How much self-awareness there is there, how much um, he's really excavated those emotions and kind of like taken them out, examine them, figure out what they mean. I mean, that's like, that's some serious work right there. Um, And I think that, um, you know, as far as trauma, what I also found interesting, Janine, was like you said, yes, the death of his his mother, no one can imagine that kind of, few people can fathom that level of trauma. But what he also says is, There are little traumas every day that many of us are dealing with as, you know, people in this modern world and that, you know, we should recognize the effect that that has on us, the toll that that can take on us. You know, he says, you know, you hear him talk about taking the cape off, you know, and I think that that's really resonant for so many people, you know, so many people trying to carry a heavy load, whether that's parenting or, you know, whether that's your finances, your relationships, your own worries, you know, so I really love that. And then the pandemic and then like everything else, all social media. Yeah, yeah, it's politics. just a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. So it's yeah. a lot. So yeah, I think <laughs> I think that was- but this, it's just it's just a good it's just a good note to check in with yourself yes. and and talk to someone. Oh my Absolutely. goodness! Like if this wasn't like a commercial for get some therapy, I don't know right? what. Was. It, I totally agree with you, and and I think you know I'm really um, grateful that he's putting a light uh, on that, and that's something his mom did. She also really worked to destigmatize mental health, mental illness, and and mental. Health health issues. So um, he's really carrying
cheering that on, I think. Nice, nice. Well, Michelle, thank you for, for digging into this with me and, 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 and pulling out all of that insight. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Janine. Speaking of the importance of mental health, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and People in our Let's Talk About It campaign has partnered with actress Glenn Close and her Bring Change to Mind organization for a four-part virtual panel series discussing mental health and young people. It streams May 24th to the 27th on People.com and all of our social channels, and you can catch me hosting one of the panels where I talk to singer Jordan Sparks, beauty influencer Bethany Moda, and others about the effects the internet and social media is having on all of us. And Glenn Close, who leads this charge, sat down with my colleague Liz McNeil recently to discuss why this work is so important to her and where she sees things going. Take a listen. Do you feel that mental illness is less stigmatized today than it was when you started the organization? Like, what differences have you seen? I think people are talking more openly about it, for sure. I think progress has been made. I think more and more people are aware I think what we've just gone through across the world, uh, as far as COVID is concerned, has made mental health issues much more important. Um, I think have brought many people to the place where they need help. I still think stigma is the main problem. Um, I still think it's out there. It's very, very, very hard to change someone's behavior as far as uh, mental illness is concerned. You can change their attitude, but... I think you know that changes really happen when they start behaving differently towards people with mental illness. Was there fear for you when you came forward and when you started talking about your family's history and, you know, did, were you ever told it could hurt your career or that to not talk about it? When I was faced with the chance of playing Margarita Kammermeyer uh, in a piece called uh, Serving in Silence, where she was uh, at the time the highest ranking military officer to be thrown out of the army because she said she was uh, gay. I had a moment with myself where I said, this might, this might affect my career. And then I always ask myself in moments like that, what's the alternative that you're not going to do it because you're afraid that, that the alternative has always been unacceptable to me. I think when Jesse came up to me those years ago that we talked about when you we first met and she said that she couldn't stop thinking about killing herself. It it was shocking. I had no clue. You know, she's she's my sister and and um, my mom and I were able able to to get her help. But for me, it's easy for me because I don't live with what she lives with. To me, the fact that my sister, Jess, and her son, Kalen, who lives with schizoaffective disorder, that more than 10 years ago, they had the courage to start speaking publicly on a national platform about what they actually lived with. That, to me, was courageous. That's just raw courage. That puts them on a moral ground, which a lot of people don't have the courage to get onto. And they have been my, my heroes. Next up, country queen Trisha Yearwood talks music, marriage, and her hit lifestyle brands. Stay tuned. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. 
Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. joined now by the only Grammy and Emmy award-winning star I know of who could have made the dinnerware you eat off of, the table that that dinnerware is sitting on, and the recipe for the food that goes into that dinnerware. (laughs) That's none other than country legend Trisha Yearwood, and she has got even more up her sleeve for you and your pet. So, Trisha, how are you, and and who is this that I'm seeing right now? I'm good. Um, You were saying my uh, rescue Emmy. Emmy's about seven and a half, and uh, I've had her since she's about six months old. I have another rescue here on the floor asleep. Um, they've, they've been with me today and they, they're like exhausted. They're like, we need a, a better publicist because we didn't get a break today. <laughs> but um, they're, yeah, they're, they're, I'm, I always have a few rescues and right now I've got, I've got two and um, they're just the best. How, how many dogs all together right now? We just have two right now. I'm, just the two. Okay. We usually have anywhere from two to three to four, but right now we have, we have two and, um, the, the little one is, um, about three years old and she's a handful. She needs to, she needs to have her own show. So, uh, <laughs> I think that's why Emmy's sleeping. Emmy's like, Oh my gosh, a break from the baby. <laughs> So you have your your babies with you right now because you have a whole new collection that you are bringing to the world. So tell us a little bit about you and the world of pets because you've kind of dominated everything else in, in the home space. Well, thank you. you. You're talking about all the stuff that I do, but I, you know, I don't do anything that I don't feel really personally connected to, you know, so I'm very much, I'm a Virgo, so that's good and bad, but I'm definitely in the middle of everything that I do, very detail oriented. And so um, when the idea, and I get approached to a lot of stuff that I say no to because it doesn't fit who I am but I've always um I've always rescued animals since I was a little kid I've always brought home a dog and said can I keep them you know that's always been me so when the idea of doing a pet line came about I had actually uh, kind of challenged my team I said I just really don't want to do anything the next thing I really want it to do to give back I wanted to find a way to get back and pet rescue is such a passion of mine so when this came along um I said let's find a way to really focus on um, adopting, uh, animals out of shelters and, and rescue and education about spaying and neutering. And let's find a way to make that something that, cause I can talk about that all day long. So, um, yeah. so we did, and, and I'm very proud of it because it's not only for, you know, to get, to get focused on something really good, but it's also things that I want for my own animals. You know, it's treats that have human grade ingredients that I, that I'm not afraid to feed my pets. It's, it's my dogs are really active, not right now, but they, they run on <laughs> the farm all day. So they, they get dirty. I want their beds to go in the washing machine. Their collars are, are, um, waterproof, you know, so I can wipe them down. So the, all the things that are practical for me as a, as an owner, are yeah. that we are you know going to share with everybody else. Yeah. So I I read this uh, story recently about um, just pets in the era of COVID and how they are getting so used to seeing us all the time. I have a dog. I have Clooney. um, And they are just like they're used to like the kids, I guess, mom and dad at home all the time. And and what this whole transition is going to be like as things open up. How has it been for you and the dogs and the house and and your husband, Garth, and, and all of that? How's it been? 
Well, you know, we, we've been lucky that, you know, Garth and I, especially these dogs, you know, but in their lives, we've been able to kind of pick and choose when we tour and when we're gone. And so we, the jobs that we have, if you can call it a job, allow us to be home as a, a good bit, you know, anyway. Oh, so they're used to so, so they're sort of used to us. But I will say in the last year, I mean, we were home every single day. And <laughs> these dogs, these dogs know, you know, around about this time of day is when they get to go run on the farm. And so mm. in the here they'll be like pawing at me like it's time to go. And they like to do that every day. And when I'm on the road, they don't they don't do that, you know, but they but then they also have my friends who come over to check on them and bring them scrambled eggs, which they don't get when I'm home, you know. So they <laughs> <laughs> they have a pretty great life. Their routine pretty much stays the same. But I, I do, I've seen all those memes where people are like, we're talking about how hard it is to be home and the dogs are like, we're so happy. <laughs> this is the best. Um, but they're, they're pretty spoiled all the time. And then just with you, how, how has your pandemic been going? How have you been managing this past crazy year? I mean, I know it's been over a year now, but I, I'm, I'm bundling it all into just chaos. Yeah, it's really <laughs> weird, you know. I mean, I'm sure like everybody, I've kind of gone through all the emotions, you know, because mm-hmm. I, I really, at first I was like, I haven't been home in 30 years, really. I've toured my whole life, you know? And so I was like, wow, this is kind of cool. And then you kind of go through, even though I think I'm an introvert and I'm really, I enjoy my alone time and I like being home, yeah. homebody, but I also, we are, we are creatures who like to gather. We're people who want to be together. We want to hug people. We want to be, and it's really hard to withdraw from that. So I went through, you know, the same kind of depression everybody else did of like, man, how long is yeah. it going to last? And, um, and now here we are with the, the vaccine, which to me is like this ray of hope. And the, hopefully knowing that we're getting, that we're getting toward getting back. Um, my biggest pet peeve when somebody says, man, remember when we were in a pandemic, I'm like, we're still in the pandemic guys. Yes. <laughs> so we're, yes. Just, we're, we're still, we're landing the plane, but we don't need to open the doors yet. You know, it's like, we're almost to the ground. Yeah. So, um, it, it's, uh, it's been a, it's been a roller coaster, you know, and I, I have, but I, I feel good about where we are and where we're going. And I've, I took the time at home to, um, to really embrace it. And then uh, how have things been in terms of like, you know, sharing that space with the hubby? I have dealt with it. Uh, have you guys been at each other's throats or just loving each other through this or both? Uh, both. <laughs> no, Garth, Garth kindly said in an interview that we took the opportunity to work through some things. <laughs> I have this theory that people either work through things and become better or they did not stay together during this time. You know, that, yeah. that happened a lot too. I think for us, um, we're both very independent people. We're both kind of out. So in our careers, we've always kind of run our own ships. And when you're not in a quarantine, you're, you're home together, but you're also going and doing your own, your thing. And to not have that place to go do your own thing, you know, those two ships collide sometimes. But I think what we did was we really did spend that time going, okay, we're, there's no kind of like avoiding this particular argument that we always have. Let's get, let's talk it through and, 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 and became better for it. You know, there's been, it's been, it's been really good for us. Um, and I'm a person who like Garth's a guy who he'll ask you a he'll ask you a question in casual conversation that will make you very uncomfortable. Like he he wants to get to the heart of it, you know. I'm sort of <laughs> want to talk about the weather. I'm like not that person. So, so I'm the queen of kind of avoiding confrontation. So he had me pinned. I couldn't get away. And he asked me <laughs> it, it was good. 
That's cute. And I, and I love you guys, you know, method that you have talked about before of saying like, this wasn't necessarily new to you because you make it a point to spend time together. You're not one of those couples that, you know, the ships that sail by at night, like you spend that time together. So you knew what that was like. I love that. Yeah, we had been married before. And so we we had been apart from our spouses and it just doesn't work. I mean, it's not one of those things that you, you have to you have to be together. And so we when we got married, we said that's a conscious choice. And we've made business decisions, career decisions, touring decisions based on our relationship and because we put it first. And I think that's the reason why we are, you know, in love and happy and, and enjoying our marriage. That was Trisha Yearwood. For more on her, head over to people.com. And now, a little something to make you smile, especially if you live in Ohio. Turns out, if you do, you have an increased shot of winning the lottery. Only if you get the shot, though. So Governor Mike DeWine of Ohio had a thinking outside the box moment, as he calls it. And he wanted to motivate folks to roll up their sleeve and get the COVID-19 vaccine. Take a listen. Just decided that this might be something that would would kind of persuade some people. The Ohio Vaximillion is a vaccine lottery campaign that will award $1 million to five adults over the course of five consecutive Wednesdays starting May 26. And adults are showing up in droves, of course, to try and get that vaccine. Do You Want to Be a Millionaire is now taking on a whole new, really important meaning. <laughs> I will talk to you all tomorrow. Tomorrow. 